Hello, how you doing? This is Dr. D coming to you live with the Boom Factor, which stands for Believers Overcome with Unlimited Manifestation. I'm so excited you stopped by. You are literally tuned in to my live audio diary of my life with mental and spiritual support to help you sustain your life from the inside out. I represent independent artists, entrepreneurs, self-published authors, ministers, missionaries. Whatever issues that you deal with that you may think that nobody have dealt with, just tune in. Dr. D probably have touched on it and went through it. So come on, share my link, and I appreciate you taking time out to download the free app. And if you have something else you want to discuss, just leave me a message. Until then, be blessed. Good morning, good morning, good morning, blessed people of God. This is Dr. D. It's Tuesday, June 2nd already. (laughs) And as you see, the fuel of the fire is still burning in the world and enough is enough um but with that said we have to also realize that once this momentum is picking up what are the citizens the black community or what are you going to do now okay because even though a lot of saying that i'm not going to vote because i voted last time and look what we got okay well yeah, that may be true, but you still have your right to vote, and we need your vote. But what I want to bring and highlight, I want to highlight the other side so we won't get it twisted because this is, they're going to let this go on, but they have their little think tanks, all right? They have their think tanks, and they already know, yeah, well, go ahead, protest, we do have them, and this died down. Them Negroes ain't going to do nothing because they don't know the law. Okay, so you have organizations and the NAWCP and, and I advise everyone to please um, Google Dr. Anderson. He has the Powernomics books. Order those books. Read those books. It takes one person at a time to share what is happening because I believe because we are in this 400 year of freedom because we made 400 years as a black nation a black community okay out of slavery okay we still are not free they still have the shackles the invisible shackles on our neck they're still separating our families the black men from the black woman not to be able to, to raise that black child in a black culture environment to preserve us okay i don't care how you think i know it's diversity you've got interracial marriages and everything else but i'm telling you that is all a strategy and it is working thus far because when a black man goes to a white woman, that black man is demeaning that black woman. And I'm sorry, black men, if you guys have come across some black women that have not really been the source of whatever you was looking for, just remember, take a look in your mirror, all of the bull crap that women have to put up with the black men until they can grow up and pull, put, put a belt on their on their pants and walk around like a man. All right? And reverse. 
Just like the black woman going to the white man, and then the black woman is the meeting the, the, the black man. I don't care. I've been out of two horrific domestic violence marriages. But I tell you one thing, I still love my black men. No matter what I do, no matter what services that I have to meet the different industries that come to me in my business, I'm making sure I go an extra mile to help that black man. I'm sorry that some black men don't appreciate it and don't really see the good because they they have this lust in your eyes. And when they feel rejected, then they start acting another way. I don't have control of that. But God knows in my heart that I reach out and I try to extend my, because I know it is a challenge for a black man to be successful without out here, without being judged and being supported. And I believe that every black man that had a black woman, especially your friend, not even sexual or anything, but you have a black woman that's your friend that's supporting you, you should be able to say, you know what? I thank God for my sister. You know what I'm saying? So when the black woman go to the white man, they diminish the, the, the manhood of the black man, and that's what they want. Okay? And it's like a slap in your face, and just like vice versa. The white man, you know, the the, the uh the white the white man with a black woman you know what i'm saying even with with the 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 mixed marriages and the same sex marriages just the same just just trying to degrade and defame our culture but for us to really 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 put a black eye on the devil because behind all of this is a spiritual warfare. We going about it naturally, but now we got to take that force and spiritually and, and, and go un, as underdogs and really strategize how we're going to continue this on so we can see a difference. Dude, they killed Martin Luther King because of what we're fighting for right now. They killed Martin Luther King because he was... Heading to the next position, not only with the segregation, but the next position was economic development and housing. He was going to get our 40 acres and our mule. And whoa, they couldn't have that. That was the turning point right there. And I believe if that would have came to pass, come on now. 50 years later, look what we're dealing with. If that would have came to pass, I believe this America would be settled and we wouldn't have all this animosity because the black Americans wouldn't have to struggle. My parents' parents didn't have to struggle and continue to struggle and still being made. I remember my grandmother was still a maid working almost to 89 years old. You hear what I'm saying? Right there off of St. Charles Street. Or, uh, and then she was working at this lady way in Kenner somewhere, I remember. My great, my great, great grandmother was a slave. I have aunties, I have, my daughter did a, a family tree where I was, let me see, one, two, three. The fourth generation in our family was born into slavery and still was a house slave. Come on, y'all. So now since all of this is happening, they have laws on the books right now that have been introduced 
to the House. You got the Senate. You got the Senate House. And Congress, they, they submit it. They introduce it, okay, as a bill so it can become an act. Right now, they have the HR40 um, reproduction, oh, I can't ever get that word, reparation for the African American Act. That been on the books forever. And just in 2018, I saw where our councilman, Sheila Jackson, okay, brought it before the house again. And it's still just sitting there. They don't have no money. They trying to figure out how they're going to um, um, pay almost $64 trillion to the generations that have been part of the slavery. Over 4 billion slaves from 1816, I think. I mean, from 1615 to 1816. And maybe I got that wrong, but you can go. It's on there. So these are the things. This is what we need to push. And you need to get together. Every person that's underneath the sound of my voice in every state that listening to this broadcast, you need to get together in your community, some friends, type up a letter, Make phone calls to your senator and your representative and push this act. This is the only way that we're going to see a change. Because as long as they know that we're not going to go and read and research and see what's really happening behind all this smoke screen, the protests, the killing and all of this, threaten. They always want to threaten us black folks when we get together. But every other group can do a, 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 a protest and you don't see them doing no, 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 no smoke bombs. And, and, and uh, rubber bullets. That's a threat. To me, that's like, oh, so just because you ain't using real bullets, you trying to, you think you're doing me a favor? So you really showing me that you really want to kill me. Come on, y'all. It's a sublime message. Don't get so caught up into all this other stuff. But get together, your friends, your colleagues, your business partners. Come on. Get together. Get together. Type that letter up, make your phone calls, and tell them that we want the HR 40 African-American Act to come out of being introduced, and we want them to go and pass this law. Because within that law, if you read through it, everything that was brought before the, 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 the representatives in the Congress, oh, they would have to shut their mouth up now and give black Americans respect. That is due. But see, they don't want to do that. Because they're going to have to repay us. And no such thing as they ain't got no money. Because look how all of a sudden they came up with all this money for the COVID-19. Oh, wow. We don't have any money. Oh, but y'all was able to um, sign a bill right quick to pull out from the Federal Reserve to print out all these 300-something billion dollars and trillion dollars of money. That was supposed to go to the small businesses first, meaning independent contractors, self-employed individuals that have small businesses. They shouldn't have had no 500. It should have been 25 employees or less. That's who should have got the money first. And I'm very teed off for that because I even applied for it and I submit all of it. They were asking me for all kind of paperwork and I had all my paperwork and they still denied me. 
And the only thing they can send back to me almost uh, 30 days later, oh, your credit wasn't sufficient, so we couldn't approve the loan. The devil is a liar, because first of all, it wasn't even supposed to go by your credit. That's personal. This is business. And if I send you all my documents to show you that I am a United States citizen, I have a legitimate business, I, I sent you my tax returns, I sent you everything that you asked me for, and you still deny me? No, we're going to court. I'm filing a suit against small business administration, especially as a black woman. Come on, y'all. See, I'm not just going to be getting on these social medias and, and, and proclaim this and that and, and regurgitate everything they're showing on the news because y'all don't even realize they had instigators. They paid infiltrators to come in their marches to start them riots. And yet, they, they paid the instigators to start the riots, but guess what? They only caught us on the camera. They made sure they tried to find... Um, black America's going in and out the store. You doggone right. If I was out there and the store was open, everybody, I'm going to give me something too because, quote unquote, forget. We just coming out of COVID-19. People ain't got no jobs, no money coming in. People still waiting for this day, unemployment, such as myself, still waiting for unemployment to come through after since March. It's June. People now being evicted out their houses. They have no money. So you, th- you think they're not going to go run up in there and steal? Well, how you put it? Loot. The white administration looted the, the, citizens, the citizens through this COVID-19 of the money that should have been given to us. If anything, you should have been giving us more than damn $1,200. Like, that was sort of been a million dollars to help us get through. $1,200, wow, you forgot. When y'all released the $1,200, people still had past due rent from March when y'all closed up everything. The end of February, companies was closing, was laying off people because everybody was getting sick. So it should have been more than $1,200 the first round. Now y'all instigating, trying to amend the second. They all supposed to have been released, the second stimulus check, and it really supposed to be coming every six months. Now y'all trying to put it through all different kind of programs, which, hey, you know you're not going to get the full amount of that because you're going to disperse that money through organizations. That organization going to break off their amount for the administration and they're only going to have so much money to give out to the people. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. They got emergency funds sitting out here, y'all. But they're trying to show us that, oh, we in a deficit. We don't have any money. But show you sure was able to get trillion dollars out the Federal Reserve for COVID-19, huh? You was able to spread all these big-time monies to these big corporations. What happened to the little small business people? They had to close their office down because they couldn't make their rent. Major uh, small companies... Even out here, we visiting, they closing. So come on now. Let's not just get all hyped up in, in the protest. Let's do something after this protest. Matter of fact, let's do it while we're doing the protest. Start getting on that computer. Start getting your phone calls made. And let these senators know, hey, we know they got a bill out here. We want this bill brought up and passed and make it an act. It's beyond First Amendment and Second Amendment rights. They're not even acknowledging that because look what they're doing with us. We don't have a First Amendment right, even though the Constitution is supposed to be written for all men. 
But we also know I'm not going to go into that rat. When they created the Constitution, guess what? They didn't have us in mind because we were still slaves. Come on, people. The laws and the acts and the Constitution and the, the, the Bill of Rights, all that was made while we were still slaves. And they created all of that because, remember... The ones who migrated to this land that they call America, they was running from the from the British. Come on. And what and why did they left? Why did they run? Because they just wanted to be free. They wanted to be free to worship. They wanted to be free to live. And that's all we ask in America. That's all we asking um Donald Trump. Donald Trump, come on. You want to act like you for the people, but you go hide yourself in a bunker? For what? So you can activate a terrorist military um, set? All that's a strategy. And it's all abusing your power. But woe unto those that don't understand. There's a God that sit up high and look low. And just like... The, the bad kings in the Bible, and you see how they was destroyed? The bad presidents, God going to check you. President Trump, God going to check you. All you white evangelical that was all supporting Trump, 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 God going to check you. That's right, God going to check you. If the Bible is the Bible, and if everybody have a heart towards God and what he's really saying, why in the world all of this is going on? Somebody ain't reading the right Bible. Somebody not reading the right Bible. I'm trying to figure out what God y'all serving. What God y'all serving? Because it ain't the God of y'all. It sure is not the God who created the heavens and the earth and in the heavens. It's not the God who sent Jesus down to die for all of our sins. You feel that because you have a, 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 a lighter skin, a white skin, that you are God the creation and you better. And because you sin a little different, it don't apply to you. Yes, it does. God created all man. As a matter of fact, all man came from one man. That was Adam and Eve. And guess what? There was African. How about that? And I love all my color brothers and sisters. I get along with anybody that come my way. We get along. So why as you get higher hierarchy and get more money in your bank account and get better positions and, and, and letters behind your name, now all of a sudden you better than somebody else. The devil is a lie. No, you're not. Because the higher you go, that's the harder you fall. And just like in the Bible, as I was saying earlier, God dealt with them evil kings, especially Nebuchadnezzar. He made him like a beast. He was eating hay out the field and he was out there for seven years. God caused him to lose his mind because he thought he was he was all that in a bag of chips at that time. He thought he was God. And see, those that have have the power that God has given you that power and that authority to make things happen. You're supposed to use that to help people, not to destroy people or kill people or put your knee on their neck to prove that, hey, I told you I'm going to get you. I got you now. How you going to come pull up 
the video show where he gonna come pull up after they done arrested a man and pull a man out of the car. What point? You need you need the death penalty. That's what you need. And see all this foolishness that's going on in the Bible. I mean, in the world, we see we. That's why a lot of people don't want to deal with the Old Testament. Some people be saying, "Oh, I live by the Old Testament." Oh, do you really? Because in a sign of rebellion, in a sign of um, insubordination, God told the elders to kill him, throw stones and kill him. You, you, you was dead on the spot. Ain't no. Once the elders got together, the council got together, and they have, if, if they had two or three witnesses, and even the witnesses, you better come right because you was going to be dead too. You couldn't come in and, 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 and you, you were not able to come before the council as a false witness. Because the same penalty that they that who you accusing, you was gonna you was gonna have to abide and receive that same judgment. So if you was a witness to something, you better have came right. Oh, that's the old testament. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am. So there's no such thing that you're gonna delay something and say, Oh, we got to review all the evidence that's before us, and you got a big video showing that this man got his hand in his pocket and he was enjoying it with his knee in that man's neck. Enough to crack his neck. I'm surprised the neck wasn't cracked. So I may sound hype and I will be going live, like I said earlier on my, my message yesterday. I'm just getting some paperwork and stuff together. So when I do come, I want you guys to be able to go and do it. I'm just giving you a, a heads up so you can see, oh, Dr. D, do know what she's talking about. They do have a bill sitting up there. I want you to go to the HR 40 um, African American Act. Go to congress.gov and go into the search, the search that little micro that little micro glass icon and type in h dot r dot forty and it's gonna pop right up. That's right. And so this is what we need to bring to our representatives and our councilmen in each state, you guys, in every state that's listening to me. You this week. Next week, you get people together, y'all start a petition, and call your representative and say, we're going to have each, guess what, each community, the only thing you need is 100, 100, 100 people, 100 signatures, but hey, the more the merrier. Get, get 1,000 if you can. But guess what, you just need 100 to submit it to get it started. Y'all can make a phone call right now today and you collect a hundred signatures. And the way they got it now, you can do it online. So I'm going to do my best to, to, to go and see if they have something already active. And I'll put it on my Boom Factor Facebook page. Okay. And I'm striving to, I had a website of my own and I don't know. Just pray for me because every time I try to do a website, sometimes some kind of way it just it goes away. I lose. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me with that. But I'm striving to do my own website so I can put all the information on the website because sooner or later I'm gonna get off of Facebook. And they have other. They have black 
um, blackenough.com is like a Facebook. So I'm going to transition to a lot of stuff from there. So um, it's going to be all right, y'all. We just need to keep the momentum, you guys. Keep the momentum, okay? Keep the momentum. And I've been on here long enough, so I'm going to give me some coffee and calm myself down. But I'm just looking at a lot of stuff, and I just want to get that out here that you guys have to start right now. You have to start right now and understand that stuff that they're only highlighting in the news is only what they want the world to see. But behind closed doors, when you start looking at the different reports, you go online, YouTube, do what you have to do and find and see where they're literally paying other organizations, white supremacists, other FBI groups, okay, that infiltrating in our Black Lives Matters because they already put Black Lives Matters on his FBI list. Oh, yes, they got that too. I'm going to bring all that out. Okay, to try to silence our community. And this has to stop. 2020 is a marking point. Okay, it has to stop. And it's going to have to be all of us together Christians, non Christians, whatever, all people, all nationalities. Well, most of the black folks, though, but all religion, that's what I wanted to say. We have to come together as a black community. Okay, let's get out. You know, well, I'm not going to do it because he's a Muslim and I'm a Christian. God ain't going to even look all that. He's going to look at the heart. Because somebody could be a Muslim and, 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 and you go to hell as a Christian and they'll enter in, into the heavenly realm and get saved. So we got to stop that too. Stop judging. We're not the judges. We're supposed to love and share peace and have the light of Christ in us where people could come and ask what's different in your life that should be different in mine. How... How you can handle the situations better, and I'm all I'm all over the place. All right, so I'm just leave y'all with this. Please pass this, pass this over. Share this, share this um, broadcast. All right, to somebody that needs a better understanding on what's really going on. I have opportunity to really go in the nitty gritty, but I'm gonna do my best. Uh, and get my facts, get my dates, get the laws, get the stuff that's sitting out there. But I know right now that is out there because I didn't pull it and it's on my desk. Okay. And I want, I want to sow that seed into the atmosphere so y'all can start voicing it, start looking at it, start getting your people together, start writing your petitions, start calling your councilmen. Okay. Because election, election is in November. They still going to have election no matter what COVID-19 doing with the protests. That's why they hurry up and open up the, the community and everything. They need stuff to start rolling so they can get out there. See, as long as things are locked down, they couldn't go out there and promote their election. See, come on, y'all. Open up your minds. This is all a strategy that they need. They needed their extra money so people can support their campaign under the table so they can go out from voice to voice. And y'all really seeing what's really going on. Especially the black community. Stop being so clueless. Okay, we need things done. Ain't no more time to have nobody sitting there and you talking to them and letting them know your concern. You see what the concern is. You see what's happening in this world. Enough of the talking. It's time for the acting. Put some action behind the words. All right? Okay, much love. Um, you can always send me an email at boomfactortv at gmail.com. Um, my office number is 713-808-9168. Um, you can text me at 
573-3095. Um, hey, we're going to get this thing rolling. I'm also an entrepreneur. Of course, I'm going to do my little call to action because right now this is my livelihood. If you need any help or assistance with your nonprofit, uh, you still have time to do your regular taxes. Uh, I might have to do and accept some, some, some customers on that level because right now I have no income. So this is my business. This is my business, uh, Urban Management Group, okay? The ministry is still there, but we can't travel because of what's going on right now. So right now I have to focus on revenue, okay? So if anybody need help with their taxes, once again, it's 832-573-3095. You will have to send me a text. You can leave a message also. It'll go to the the email that I have it forward to. But send me a text, okay, and I can text you back. Um, the office number, 713-808-9168. Okay, that's the ministry. If anybody interested in making a donation to the ministry, hey, that's always welcome. PayPal.me slash redeemed. Okay. Uh, remember, I, uh, I assist in nonprofit uh, corporations, 990s, to create your, your state for Texas, your tax return for uh, Texas, your federal tax return, personal business, if you have... Uh, 1099s, I'm here to help, okay? Business consultation, I'm here to help, okay? I am sending out a call to action even in the midst of all of this here because right now that's my livelihood. All right, God bless you guys. Love you, stay safe, walk in peace. Know that, hey, God is still on the throne and he said he's going to look after his righteousness, his own songs. 35 is there. He's going to fight for us and he's going to sustain us and he's going to keep us and protect us. And he even going to send the angels out before us. Come on. So trust in his word. Lean not to your own understanding. Okay. And he will be your God. God bless you. Love you. Peace and stay tuned. Indeed. Dr. Claude Anderson, welcome, sir. Uh, thank you all for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Looks like I'm in good company. Yes, yeah, you good are. morning. You know, you've been a very requested guest. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are always like, you got to have Dr. Claude Anderson on. You got to have Dr. Claude Anderson on for years. Yes. People have been saying that. Well, you know why? I've been paying him well to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> is that. Is that what Powernomics is? Uh, no, Powernomics is specifically dedicated to, uh, to trying to inform black folk and trying to elevate them to a higher level of competitiveness in the society and overcome the primary legacies of slavery and centuries of Jim Crow semi-slavery in the mm -hmm. South. We're in a very dangerous situation in this country as black folk, and this next year is going to be our <coughs> last year to get out of it. I thought you were about to say it's going to be our last year, period. I wouldn't doubt that either. It's pretty close. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a very dangerous situation. After all my years in politics and national politics and international politics, that's why I left uh, government saying that somebody got to get out here and start raising cane on behalf of black folk. What did you do in government? Huh? What did you do in government? Oh, I was assistant secretary of the United States Department of Commerce, the first black. I was also a chairman for economic development for governors. Also, I was the only black to be appointed to be over the government's property disposal program, which means my signature alone, I can give away all kind of federal property to anybody. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also I was edu- educated for uh, over the entire state of Florida education system for about eight years. And so I've been around the bond for a long time, but, but I, I've finally dawned on me that somebody got to get out here and start a raising cane on behalf of black folk. Now how do we how do we catch up? You, you know, we're, we're so far behind. How do we catch up to make sure that we can play in the same game or even on the same field? Well, the first thing I have to do is go back and correct what we've never done. In all my years in national politics and international politics, for most of the people you all are very, very familiar with by in name, they never, never, never addressed the primary problems of black folk. Our primary problem was not social integration or civil rights. The primary problem is you never corrected the legacies and burdens of slavery. Mm. See, the whole point of slavery was to do what? They never asked that. It was to socially engineer black folk into the lowest level of a real-life monopoly game, which, which means that they maldistributed almost 100% of all this nation's land, resources, rights, privileges, businesses, and controls of all levels of governments into the hands of the dominant white society. Black folk haven't got a snowball's chance of ever being a competitive people. You might struggle if it lasts another two or three years. It's going to wipe you out pretty soon. You came out of slavery in 1860 having one half of 1% of this nation's wealth. Here you are 150 years later. Guess what? You still own one half of 1% of the wealth. And in a nation, in a race-based society, it is what you own and control that determines your equal opportunities and your rights and privileges. It's that not a darn thing to do with civil rights. That's a waste of time. It doesn't have anything to do with the voting, but that's an intellectual masturbation process. Mm-hmm. Ain't gonna do any good. What you need is own and control wealth and power. They said intellectual masturbation. You, I heard you say that earlier on, on something I was watching. You said they get off, but it does nothing for them. You, you got it down pat, bro. That's like that's like you starving to death. Somebody give you a steak, you rub it outside your stomach. They ain't gonna do you any good. <laughs> they ain't doing a damn thing for you. you know, no, quit, quit playing with black folk. So when I left the president, I was I ran a campaign. I guess. Well, let me let me go back. I guess I've been very privileged in all my year, years. Now I'm 85 now, so I reached the peak. I don't have to get along with anybody, damn body anymore. Man, that's a beautiful feeling. You know, yes, that, sir. That, that's one of the enrichments of age. But um. I decided after all the years of playing politics, I guess I was privileged in the sense of being the only black in the nation ever was a campaign manager, not in a campaign, but a campaign manager for, for governors, for presidents, for attorney generals, for state legislators and congressmen. No other blacks had that. I felt for that reason, I had an obligation to get out here and do something for black folk. And so I don't play any games with black folk. I'm most friends I know that you all probably have on your shows. Well, they're, they're just trying to get some self-indiasement Elevation. I don't need it. And what did you think about uh, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker? I know you said voting is an illusion. Uh, they're probably nice people. They ain't gonna do anything for black folk. You say I have I have yet to this day ever heard or seen not one president, not one candidate for public office ever get up and say, oh, "Here's what I'm gonna do for black folk." That violates the entire premise of, 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 of politics. Politics is a process that decides who's gonna get what benefits out of life. It's based on a very simple premise: premise of quid pro. Politics, as you know it now, never existed until about the 1500s. And what it says, and it said, we would determine who gets what blessings, and who gets who, who gets who suffers. And so, uh, consequently, nobody's ever stood up and said, "Here's what black folk are gonna get." You're talking about the candidates. The first thing these black folks should be asking is not what candidate you're gonna represent or gonna vote for. Who cares? What you should be asking is, what are you gonna get? What are you voting for? That's right. What are you gonna get in exchange for your vote? That's right. What do you get? What are you voting for? What are you gonna get? If you didn't get the damn thing, why are you voting? And see, black and not one candidate in all the years I ran campaigns, not one candidate or one president, or one party, political party, neither the Republican or 
the Democratic Party, Libertarian Party, Green Party, not one has ever promised that if I get the black vote, here's what I'm going to do for black folk. It's the first year it's ever happened, and I think the only reason it's happened is because of all the hell that's being raised on social media. And, you know, like a lot of times when these presidential candidates come up here, we ask them specifically, what is your black agenda? See, you're right. And what did she say to you? Well, I mean, they all have little things here and there. The only person I've seen have a real live black agenda is Mayor Pete. He has the uh, Douglas plan, which is based on Frederick Douglass. Okay, right. And see, what most of them, what they can do is give you that old game they, that they used during, uh, <laughs> during the formation of this country in 1789. Mm -hmm. And they, they met up in Philadelphia and said, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna build this nation, and we're going to create a document that make us the cradle of democracy. It's going to be a constitution. And they said, but it, and we're going to make this a land of opportunity and freedom for everybody. Yeah, right. Okay. So they met in Philadelphia for a whole week. You know what they did for a whole week? They closed the doors and put guards on the windows in Philadelphia and said, now, we gotta, we got to write this constitution, but we got a problem now. We, we got, if we're going to offer this as a land of opportunity for everybody, isn't it inconsistent and hypocritical for us to be getting ready to enslave all these Aaron black folk we're bringing into the country? It's how we're going to get past that. They said, well, what we'll do, we'll run a game on them. They've been running that same game ever since. What we'll do in the constitution, we use very broad and ambiguous terms and certain terms, and certain of those broad, ambiguous terms would apply to whites and certain apply to black folk. So when the United States Constitution said, we the people, all the people, all God got a God-given right to life, living in pursuit of happiness. Initially, it wasn't even happening. It was really a property. It was black folk going to be property. And so that's, that's what it was structured on. And they said, well, what about black folk? And they read the Constitution. They said, what we'll do, let's use other words. Let's use code words like uh, those who are indebted those who are in bondage, those who are property, those are three-fifths of a human being, mm -hmm. those who are equal to a field animal. And our people never figured that out. Mm -hmm. So you got all our, our civil rights leaders running around for years and running for public office like you're talking about, talking about we got rights. You don't have any rights in the Constitution. There's no rights for blacks in the Constitution. You have the United States Constitution in 1789 was strictly the first affirmative action plan in the country, strictly and solely for whites. Mm and those who lay down could pass for whites. That's what it's about. Black folk are the only people in this country that can't pass for white. And when I, when I left the White House with President Carter in, in, in 1970, the Office of Management and Budget says, we're gonna now make everybody in here that comes into the country, we're gonna start qualifying them as being white. See, up until 19, like up to 1970, as an example, Hispanics were always white. They were always whites. But what happened in 1970, I was over education with the state of Florida at that time, <laughs> And I have the dubious honor of writing the, writing the second, affirmative, second affirmative action plan in the United States, but the first one for black folk. And I wrote the affirmative action plan. It was approved by the governor and the state cabinet system. But not, <clears throat> I didn't write it for minorities and poor folk, those broad terms, when people of color, and for diversity, you know, and for gays and lesbians and midgets and humpbacks and one-eyed people. I wrote it strictly for black folk. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, how, is there any way that blacks can correct the resource imbalance? Yeah, yeah, you can. See, and we just start playing the game. That's why my second book, I wrote I wrote the first book called Black Labor, White Wealth, and uh, which Ebony and Jet calls the second Bible for black folk around the world. It sells all over Europe and mm -hmm. Africa. That was to show you every technique, every trick, every custom, every custom, every policy that the, that the major white society used to lock black folk into a lowest level of a real-life monopoly game. And they maldistribute, maldistribute all the resources, period. 
showed us that in very graphic terms. I think you got to have a copy of that bottom book hold there. Yes, sir. That, Black label, white well. That's what that was for. We got dirty little secrets. We got more dirty little secrets. <clears throat> right. Okay. Thank you. Now, that, and this is what they call it around the world. They call this the second Bible for black folk. Mm -hmm. It shows you exactly what happened to you and that you have no rights. And it's, and, and power, I follow that with power nomics. Oh, it's behind you. Yeah. There you go. Boom. Okay. Yeah. And this one, this one's a national plan. What was the question you just asked me? I ran past it. You asked me. Uh, how do we catch up as, as black okay, folk? How you catch up? This showed this is a national plan for black folk. It says a national plan to empower black Americans, period. And what you first thing you got to do, to make a long story short, you got you to have what you never had in this country. That's a group self-interest. You've been inculcated and coordinated and brainwashed and believe that you got some obligation and responsibility to save the world. You got to save everybody first before you save yourself. Now, I'm a pilot. I don't fly anymore. I'm too old to be flying. But one of the first thing I would tell people on my plane as passengers, the first thing you do, if we lose cabin pressure at, at, uh, at 30,000 feet, we, lose, we don't have any cabin pressure at night over 10,000 feet. If you lose cabin pressure, a panel over your head will fall down. Mm -hmm. Right. When that mass falls down, the first thing you all should be doing is putting the mass on yourself. Mm -hmm. Quit trying to save everybody. Why has always got black folk marching trying to save it? We're marching for gays. We're marching for women. We're marching for, for poor people. We're marching for the handicapped. And yet you only control one half of 1% of the wealth. You haven't got a snowball's chance. And in the, in the end of slavery, as I said, you had one half of 1%. Guess what? The average white person at that point in time had 3,500 times more wealth than the average black. That means that 99% of everything in this country was, was in the white society. And it's still in the white society. I don't care from, from Vermont all the way to California, San Diego. 98% of everything of value is locked in, in the white society. 87% of it's frozen, locked into white society. You can't get it out. So all you got to compete for is about 13% is up for grabs. Mm. And if black folk don't learn how to compete for that 13%, you are through. And right now, that's, that's what's happening around the world. You see all these, it's, we're going to implode in this country. Same thing happening now happening in Germany with the Jews. And there was a book out called Hitler's Willing Execution to say the same thing. When certain kind of things began to happen to you as a group, you better be very careful. And they wrote that as a big, thick book and about, about what's going to happen. That's, and, it, and they started exterminating the Jews. Why? Because you got a group now that you all don't know about called uh, the Council of 300. What they want to do now is say, we got too many people on the earth and we're going to start losing resources. There ain't going to be enough resources left. We got water. We're going to have water shortages coming. And water shortages come, what follows that is food shortages. Right now, 20% of the world is suffering from water shortages. We're going to start having water shortages in this country. We have water shortages and have food shortages. So what the council and all these government, all these rich people on earth are saying is that we got to start getting rid of some of these people. We're going to start with the non-producers. Now, who are the non-producers in America? The only people in America that produces absolutely nothing except sweat is black folk. <laughs> That's you, real, though. I get what you're saying. I feel you. No, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now, all of our people that are so successful, guess what? The only thing they would do is sweat. They're running with balls, football, basketball, baseball, tennis ball, <laughs> golf ball, singing dancing. and dancing, singing and dancing, <laughs> producing sweat. Nobody's buying any damn sweat. <laughs> and how are you going to feed yourself? Right. We don't produce anything. We don't have any industries. And we had a chance to get industries in the 1700s when the Industrial Revolution went through Europe. Black folk were slaves. When the Industrial Revolution went through America in the 1800s, we were still enslaved. We own and control absolutely nothing. You don't think that's changing now a little bit? Oh, man, no. It's getting worse. 
As a matter of fact, let me, let me give you a difference. Right now, we got all these people that you're running for public office talking about. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta look for, or uh, eradicate poverty. You cannot eradicate poverty. Poverty is a fix. It's a given. It's a given. You cannot eradicate poverty. Why? <laughs> because just like you can't eradicate, you got an up, you got a down, you got an in, you got an out. That is a fix. You cannot change it. So, and they always got people wanting to eradicate poverty. Po you, what you should be saying is leave poverty alone and go down and try to figure out how to get black folk out of poverty. Don't mm. be trying to eradicate poverty. Leave poverty alone and get blacks out. And see, so they, well, what we're gonna, what we need to have more equality. On a race-based society, you cannot have equality. It's impossible. Mm. The whole point of a race is a contest. That's right. See, a race, you don't go, you all don't go to the Kentucky Derby. They try to have all the horses being equal, do you? No, you no. want one to win. You see, you got it again. You're mm -hmm. a smart man. <laughs> you, you, you want to see who comes in first, second, or place. Right. And so yet they say we're gonna well in a race-based society. Why is it called a race? Race is race never started, never existed on the earth until the 1500s. The, <clears throat> and that's when it started. When a race, that's where racism comes from. <clears throat> they didn't pick racism just out of thin air. It's a social construct. It's a social construct. Yeah. It's a social construct. And they started, we can start, well, what we're going to do now that Columbus discovered America, you got, in 1492, you got, we got a lot of land over there, it's pretty much vacated, uh, vacant, and, um, and we got, and uh, we need to go over there and try to get that land. And what they said, they said, well, let's go back, how are we going to do it? <clears throat> and they said, well, let's see. Back in about 14, about 1446, we had a guy named Henry the Navigator that went around the coast of Africa, and he, he picked up about 16 black Africans and brought, and brought them back to Europe, gave them to the Pope and the Vatican. And the Pope said, we use these as slaves. And so the, so the Vatican used blacks as slaves. That was one of the first ones from about 1446 up to about 1488. Then Pope Innocent came out and said, well, you know, uh, having these people as slaves, that's a good thing. And so why is that important now? Because you see the Fox Channel be telling you all, while blacks complain about being slaves, we've always had slaves. No, you have not. You may have had slaves, but not based on skin color. Mm. And Pope Innocent came out and says, in the future, don't enslave anybody based on the traditional manner. You're gonna enslave people for being either prisoner of war or for personal indebtedness or religious persecution. He said, let's skip that now and enslave them based on skin color. That was a start, that's a trigger in 1488. So when Columbus discovered America in 1492, <clears throat> He had all this land over here <clears throat> in that particular particular time. Yeah, water for you if you need. <clears throat> Excuse me, thank you. Yes, sir. In that particular time, Europe was being decimated. Mm. Europe was under, under major problems. The entire European continent was being decimated with crime, crime, famine, diseases. They didn't know what to do in the late 14th, 1400s and early 1500s. And all of a sudden they said, you know, since Pope Innocent says that uh, we got some people we can use now as slaves, and we got a... <clears throat> Take your time, brother. We here. We got time. I know you all done put me out of here in a few minutes. No, no, no you good. We got time. They've been waiting on you for years. You tell me a tale. No, I'm not. People been asking for you for years. We got time. Okay, I don't want to, I don't want to take up all your time. Okay? No, you good. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no white man coming here with a sign saying, oh, get him up out of here. He's talking all this shit. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um... So when Columbus discovered America, they had all this land, and Pope Innocent said, use these people, let's have a new form of slavery. No more longer, no longer based on religion, personal indebtedness, or prison of war. Right, let's use them right, skin color. Right. And so by the 1500s, they we could say use that and save America. 
So a race started. Yes. A race is a contest. Yes. Mm-hmm. That contest started between nine European nations. Mm. Portugal, they all said, let's get in the contest so we can go to the, Ameri- to the Americas first and capture all that land and build it, build wealth. That's what they came here for. That's right. Now, you all get by that stuff about they believe in about the Constitution, but they came here for religious persecution. Nobody came here for no damn religious persecution. They came here for happiness. Nobody can get on a damn boat and sail across the Atlantic coming to America for happiness. They ain't that stupid. They came here for enrichment. Every tourist and, I mean, uh, uh, immigrant came to America, they came here for personal enrichment. That's what they came here, to get values, resources. And they started bringing people. So all, the, all these countries were competing to try to capture America, Americas and build it up for enrichment. And, uh, and that's what happened when, so when, they, when Americans... When they got to America and laid on, let me jump up. Now they said, well, we got all this land now. And we got these people. Let's draw the Constitution. That's what the, so they, I told you a few minutes ago. They met in Philadelphia. says, let's take all this land. We're going to create a document called the U.S. Constitution. That was in 1789. We're going to ratify this. And uh, and we ratify it. <clears throat> it's going to be a social construct that the brought here just mentioned to you. The construct is that, how are we going to do that? It's well at the top. Let's all the Europeans... They got money, want to invest in the United States. They got rich people. And that'll be the top scale. They can come here and get all the land. That's Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, all those guys, and um, and Jeff Thomas Jefferson. They were wealthy people. They said underneath that, that's the top level. Underneath that, we set up a management class to bring in poor whites. They'd be the management class. And at the bottom, we can bring in these blacks. They have to be managed and classify them as property, as non-citizens. That way, they'll never get anything. Mm. We got them locked in box. <clears throat> that's in the Constitution. And that's how they got you. And the first thing they did the next year in 1791, they passed the first immigration laws. Says, let's bring in all these poor people. This is a nation, an immigrant nation. It's for basically for whites only. And black folk, you are not citizens. You have no entitlements, no rights, and no privileges, and nothing. Everything we put into the hands of the dominant white society. Why is it expected for, for black wealth to drop in the future? Oh, for a certain reason, because <clears throat> increasingly they know that you don't own anything. <laughs> wealth creates wealth. Mm-hmm. Wealth creates wealth. And when they talk about slavery, what blacks, black, blacks don't have any wealth was because they took whites captures your wealth. Labor is wealth. Labor, you can't have wealth without labor. That's the point I'm going to bring to you. You send possible to have wealth without labor. And so, so, when they, so, when they, so in the 1500s, they said, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to all be in this race now. We're going to compete between the, the French, the Germans, the, the British, the, the Spain, Spain. We're going to go to America. We're going to compete to get the resources. And so they, and they, and, uh, they said, let's take this. So what is, we're going to come up with a new thing called capitalism. Capitalism came out of the land and the Pope Innocent's thing about slavery. They said, when you go to America, so here's what you're going to do. Practice capitalism. That means owning the land, the tools, the resources, and using someone else's labor to enrich yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And since black folk, black folk couldn't enrich themselves, everybody else came to the country, enriched themselves off of black folk. They took your labor from you. And then everybody became rich for it. And that's why in the city, when slavery ended, as I said a few minutes ago, the average white person had 3,500 times more wealth than blacks. So how do we catch up now? How, how do we make sure that we can at least catch up on, on the financial freedom as, you, as much you, as possible. You asked, bro, you asked yourself a good question. Uh, you should be running for office instead of Booker and, and Harris. <laughs> they all light-skinned. They can do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can fit in. 
<laughs> you're all funny. <laughs> you're right on target. No, you do it. You start in the books, like I said in my books. First thing, you get, you get a, you, you develop a, two things they took from you in slavery. Two, two things from you that are the key to get to the points you are on how you're going to solve it. One, they stripped you of your wealth. Your labor was your wealth. You never gained anything from it. They got it captured and spread it around. And that's like in resources. For instance, land. Everybody coming to the country got land but you as a race. And they said, we, we we're going to start building wealth based on land. And George Washington, the first one, says, well, if you're gonna, all the wealth is going to be in the land. I want 100,000 acres of free land. And then Jeff, Thomas Jefferson said, well, you can, if he's going to get 100,000 acres of free land, I want 100,000 acres of free land. Then Patrick Henry, you all read about in your history book, that said, give me liberty, give me left. Death. He also said, hell, give me some land. I'm on 65,000 acres of free land. And so what the white society did while blacks were being enslaved, <clears throat> they gave every per every immigrant coming to the country. He, as soon as his foot hit the ground, he picked up over 750 acres of free land per, per immigrant. Mm. Wow. Then, they, then they, for every slave, they only got another 150 acres of free land. Wow. And so, so after... So after about 100 years, this country had given away over 2 billion. They gave away 2 billion acres of free land to immigrants. Now, that, and why is that? now that's where your wealth is. Wow. Now in, that, in that land, not only the value of the land, but in that land, what do they have on They got timber, gold, chrome, magnesium, gold, silver, oil. It's resources. Resources. Yeah. That, that's yeah. it's, it's a resources. Blacks don't have any resources. Mm -hmm. So when you came and said, I want 40 acres of a mule, they said, you got you to be crazy. Not give you 40 acres. We just gave it. We gave, just gave away two billion. We're gonna give you anything. And other Europeans came in about the same time with 1862. They gave this, and all the newcomers, you're gonna get 150. And, and, and coming from Europe, you cross it, cross the Mississippi River to develop the Western countries. They gave away. They gave away 20. They gave it 20 uh, in 24 hours. They gave away over two million acres of free land. Wow. They gave every. They started railroad lines, 11 railroad lines. They gave them 24 million acres of free land, but blacks never got any land. So what we're going to do now to play the game? Get play the game and ask you a question. Mm -hmm. We got to go for resources, but the two things that are hurting us: we don't have any resources because they stole that. The second thing you don't have is they they stole your social cohesiveness. You mean for like unity and group operation? That's right. That's okay. Right. They did not allow you to play the game to be together, come together. Mm. That was a threat. It's intimidating. Yeah. It's intimidating during slavery. It's intimidating right now. Right Black now. folks are talking about coming together. Because if you, I mean, from what you said, if you, if you, if you got 13 percent of whatever we're fighting over, it makes it seem like it's not enough for everybody. That's right. It's not enough. It's the survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. Who is survival of the fittest and the strongest? And so, and here's where that's where they made the biggest mistake. They took black folks, black folk were misled the wrong way. Went into social integration rather than trying to get the resources. They're well, rather trying to get resources. Well, when Dr. King was pivoting to go get them resources, that's when they killed him. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but then that's why. You, did you hear that point? Say it again. Say when it. Dr. Right. King was pivoting from civil rights and you know civil liberties to go get that money, that's when they killed him. He was organizing right. the Poor People's Campaign. That's right. Yeah, that's that killed right. him then because you know why? Because Martin Luther King, right before he got assassinated, three months before that, you know what he said to the country? He said, "I got to admit." He said, I think I made a big mistake. Yeah. He said, I think I've led black folk into a burning, burning building. Out during the building, yeah. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. And because he says, there's no, you, you can, he said, you cannot have social integration unless you have economic, economic integration. integration. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you cannot have economic integration unless you do what? Unless you redistribute some of these right. resources into the hands of black folk. And that's when they kill them. Yeah. 
Yes, sir. Just what, being a turning loose. What do you think of Barack Obama being president? But Barack Obama is a joke. Barack Obama didn't do a darn thing for black folk. As a matter of fact, he hurt black folk yep. in two ways. First of all, he had eight years to do something for black folk. Yeah. But he carefully and judiciously involved and, uh, and judiciously avoided doing anything for black folk. And most of my white friends told me in politics, and I, I was always with president governors, they say, hey, we would never have voted for Obama. We know black, but he's gonna do something for black folk. We knew he would never do anything for black folk. Mm -hmm. And so, but that's the first thing. He never did anything for black folk. But he, did, but he, he used that old thing that they did in, uh, back in Philadelphia in 1789. He used very broad, ambiguous terms. I'm the, I'm the president of all the people. They got to. They say they like to say a rising tide lifts all boats. That's a stupid thing. Yeah, because the black, cause black people boat got a hole in it. That's right. It's in the bottom of the damn lake. Yeah. They, but 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 black folk. Well, if a rising tide would lift all boats, if a rising tide would lift all boats, why don't all these immigrants coming here and building industries and businesses and blacks were slave? Why didn't Why didn't they rise? Because they were excluded. At the, on the, at, black people are outside and underneath the system. You're outside and underneath the system. <clears throat> And so, so they, so and they don't let you come together and together. And how they stop you from coming together? Since they wouldn't let you coalesce during slavery, they they come up with this whole concept called social integration. Social integration is a divisive issue. It divides you. It doesn't pull you together. It's a weakening process. You understand what I'm saying, bro? Mm -hmm. It weakens you. If I put a cup of coffee right now in front of you and pour cream in it, do I make it stronger? Hell <laughs> no, you make it weaker. That, that's right. So black folk went for social integration. I've always asked, do I, uh, has integration helped to harm the black community? I knocked, think it harmed. Knocked the black folks' brains out. Black folk had up a hundred times more before social integration hit. See, I'm old enough to tell you all that. You all not old enough to know that yet. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, see, we had something. We didn't have we didn't have the resources we needed as much as we needed, but we had something. We had one of the things that's key to get to your, your question about where do we start. We had communities. We had communities all over America. In every city, every city had a major community. Here, Harlem, places like that. We had our communities. We didn't have everything we wanted, but it was ours. Yeah, we only hear about Black Wall Street. Sometimes you hear about Bronze, Bronzeville in Chicago. Right. I can't remember the town in North Carolina, but we don't hear about that they were literally those communities all over the country. That's right. Well, Sweet Auburn and, and Atlanta, Georgia, every, that's had all the big hotels, fine restaurants and everything. In North Carolina, what you're talking about now, see, I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Let me use that as an example. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, we, did, we weren't looking for any social integration. You know why? Because we had our own businesses there. We had our own businesses. I had to be, my family was a part of one, had the only black bus line in the entire United States. The only black bus line. And when I say we had a bus line, I'm not talking about two or three buses. We had over 500 buses. Wow. In Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And guess what? We, uh, <laughs> we had that from 1927 up to about 1967. We had, a, in Winston-Salem, we also had our own cab companies, we had our own restaurants, we had our own hotels, we had our own school systems. And the, and the bus lines, an example, we don't kill our buses. Right. Social integration. When all of a sudden, you all start talking about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King going down to Alabama, want to integrate the bus lines. Integrate whose bus lines? White bus lines. What do they, what they, what they want? They didn't want to own and control and get the resource. They just want to sit on the ride. front of it. Yeah. Now, what kind of, you tell me, what, what does that indicate? Now, if you want to get on a bus, what you want to do is just want to mm. sit on the front of it. Now, if the bus is moving, then the back of the bus will be where the front of the bus will move in a fraction of a second. And everybody gets off at the same time. 
And so in Winston-Salem, we had our own buses. And so uh, when that movement was, was successful in Alabama, came up to Winston-Salem, and blacks in Winston-Salem says, we want to ride on front of some white buses. So we said, we don't have any white buses. They said, well, we'll get some so we can ride on the front of them. I feel like a complete asshole because I never thought about that. Like that whole time they did the boycott, they should have been trying to establish their own bus company Ownership. as opposed to wanting to ride. I never thought about that. that y'all boycotted for a year just to want to ride on the front? See, you're a smart man. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> but, you, but you got it now, yeah, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you said, no, nah, what, what difference does it make for them sitting on the front or the back? See, on our, and, and, our, and our safe bus company, SAF, you, you can go to your computer and find out about the safe bus company in Western Salem. See, we we own the buses. Mm-hmm. We own the resources. We, all of our mechanics were black. All of our drivers were black. Electricians were black. Everything was black. And uh, and so they said, well, we just want to ride on the front of their buses. We had two cab companies in Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. Guess what? As a resource, Weiss had three cab companies. No, they had two cab companies. They had the Bluebird and the Yellow Cab. We had the Harris and the Camel City cabs. But guess what? When that integration movement started, what they wanted to do? Blacks didn't want to ride in black cabs anymore. They wanted to ride in white cabs. Mm-hmm. In Winston Salem, we had uh, we had our own movie theaters. We had we had the Lincoln and Lafayette. There was a Lincoln and Lafayette theater in every major city and made every black community in America. Mm-hmm. But and Weiss had they had they had three movie theaters. They had the Farsight, Carolina, and State Theater. We didn't care, but we had our own movie theaters. And uh, so guess what? Blacks didn't want to go to the white black theaters and wouldn't go to the white theaters. We swear white ice is cold. Sure did. Anybody, anybody might believe this, but I saw that happen once, so I'm gonna jump off what I was talking about over mm-hmm. a second. I was in Tallahassee, Florida, giving a speech down there, and uh, I'm sitting on the street corner talking to a black real estate developer there. I'm talking to him, and I noticed across the street there was a black guy on a grocery store over there, and the guy pulled up while we were talking. We just watched him like we we're talking now. He pulled up, went over to the parked in that by that grocery store, went over to the ice machine, opened up the ice ice container. Pull out a bag of ice, looked at the ice and rolled it around, looked at it, and put it back into the into the machine. And then he turned right around his car, backed it up, and came right across the street from where we were to a thing called Jack's Liquor. And went and got out of his car and went into the ice machine. Same company. Same ice owned by the same company, the ice machine owned by the same company. He went in there, looked at it, rolled it around, took it, went in and bought it. And I said, I hadn't ever seen that before. I said, now when he comes, I'm gonna ask him. I said, come here, sir, let me ask you a question. I said, why is it that you would not buy the ice from the ice machine over there with the black grocery store, but you came over here to Jack's Liquor and bought the ice? I said, why did you buy it over here? He said, oh, I didn't want to buy Mr. Williams ice over there. He said, I don't like his ice. It's too lumpy. White ice is smoother. <laughs> I, said, I said, damn. Lord have mercy. I said, I said, I knew white ice would be colder, but now I found it smoother. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. When all of that was going on in uh, Montgomery, when they were boycotting the buses, and y'all own 500 buses, did you ever say, hey, let's go send, get, go down there and set up a shop or, you know, send them some buses? <laughs> no. No, no. The, our, that bus, our bus comes over. About, we had about a partnership of about three, three or four black families. Okay. And they were just struggling, just trying. And now they, they were not that sophisticated to try to interfere. Mm-hmm. And because blacks in those days were independent, we stayed in our own independent section. Um, no, we, our bus lines were very effective. We were proud of them, proud of riding black cabs. And uh, but black folk just never learned the importance of owning and controlling. 
So going back to your question again, I keep deviating. So uh-huh. I, you have to I apologize. To you. Not so good. You we'll put it all together. Yeah, we'll put it all together. Yeah, okay. You know, is that <clears throat> is that you got to have you got to own it. Get, first, you got to go after resources, mm-hmm. but you got to come together first, and you got to develop a sense of cohesiveness. And your sense of cohesiveness should be based around your strongest identification, cosmetic appearance, which is your skin color. Mm-hmm. Your greatest your greatest commonality is not what schools you went to what neighborhood you lived in, who your parents were, how much money you have. That's not your greatest commonality. Your greatest commonality is your skin color. Mm-hmm. So you should be saying, we got to come together as a team. Yeah. Why? Because Dr. Anderson told us that racism is a team sport. Mm-hmm. You either play as a team or you lose by default. That's right. You got enough sense to go out and play as a team on a basketball court or, or a football court. Why don't you play as a team as a race? Mm-hmm. So we have to start playing as a team. Now, once you start learning to play as a team, what's the next thing you must get? Next thing you must get is establish some turf. You must say, I must have a turf to operate on. Land, real estate. Land, that's right. And since they would not give you the 40 acres, you have no turf. You had a community, they stripped that. <clears throat> and that's why in the 1950s, when you start talking about social integration, they found out they came up with a concept called black removal. They used the 1956 Highway Act to drive an expressway through every black community in America mm. and, and, and destroyed it. You want to find the old black communities in America? Go find the expressway. Mm. It went right through it, mm. and so that ran black folk. And so white, why? Because white folk could be getting that, could get in that on, that on the expressway and get to a new thing they built called suburbs. We never had suburbs before, mm. but they, the suburbs came out of the fact that whites wanted to get away from blacks, and blacks wanted to socially integrate. And so the whites, we abandoned these black folk, moved to the suburbs, and take all of the what with us? Resources. 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 We'll take, we'll take all the industries, the factories, the automobile dealerships, the banks, the culture, the money, the wealth, the power, and relocate it in the suburbs. And we'll strip these urban areas. So these black folk, they come in, they, won't, they, can't run, they can't run an urban city. You can't run Detroit, Chicago, St. Louis, Philadelphia. You can't run it because you won't, you won't be in the resources available to you. And so when the white folks say, you all were smart enough to run a city, we say, that's y'all just let the city run down. No, they ran it down for you. Mm-hmm. They burned, they used a fall called Burt's Field, Scorched Earth Policy. Mm. Say, we leave here, we're taking everything out. And the only resources that they'll have is the drugs that we put here. That's right. The guns that we put here. That's right. Yeah, so they'll have to resort to crime and violence as well. Wow. You're a smart man again. Mm-hmm. You know why? See, See, what, what, what most of our civil rights leaders don't, don't understand, our elected officials don't understand, there's only three things that a black person can do to earn a living. Only three things. You need to have a business up here, a job at the top. If you don't have that, you go down to the second level. Second level, you go on some kind of social services, food stamps, welfare, public housing. If you don't have that, then you must go to the last level, which is commit crime. crime. Mm. And so, so a black person must have a combination, sophistication, or elaboration of three things. Welfare, I mean, jobs, business, going down to crime. And when they did that, they, they divide that up. White crime would be called civil crime. Black crime would be called blue-collar crime. Blue-collar crime, you go to jail. White-collar crime, you go into the criminal courts. What do, you think about courts. The, what do you think about the conversation that they're having about reparations now? <clears throat> well, I, I've spent about 60 years. That's no books for most of, that, most, of that, most of that dialogue is being generated by my books. Mm-hmm. And, but unfortunately, most of the people down there trying to latch on to the reparation movement don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. If Johnny come lately, a claim jumpers. They won't jump in on the, on the movement just to get their name in the paper. They don't have a plan about what they're going to do for reparations. <clears throat> but black folk entitled reparations. 
you had a chance to get some of it. Um, let me let me go back in history again. See, I told you in the first, you got two, most people don't know this, but you got two constitutions. You got the first constitution of 1789. That's a one through 12 amendment. And those amendments gave whites everything they needed. That's why white folk didn't have all these, they didn't have all, they didn't, they didn't have any big demands other than what was in the constitution. So from 1789 up to 1860, uh, that, the first constitution was in effect. Amendment one through 12. But what happened after that was that in, in 1857, we'll go back about three years, you had a black man went to court called Dred Scott. Are you familiar with that? I'm yes. Sure. He went to court trying to, trying to get some freedom based on the fact that he moved across state lines out of the South. He thought he was going to be free and went to court. The final court, Supreme Court ruled against him and said, no, you cannot free. Why he said, why? It's basically because in this country, because you're considered to be property. Your property in the Constitution, your your citizen, you're not non-citizen in the Constitution. Wow. You have no rights. Oh wow! You have no rights. So therefore, a black person has no rights that a white person is bound to respect. Wow! And that was in 1857. So when when the Civil War was over, after the Civil War was over, what they wanted to do, you had some you had some white uh, Republicans, liberal ones, saying we got to go back and give black folks something. You got to give them something. And so they said, let's put, we're going to start a, a second constitution. The 13th, 14th, and the 15th Amendment and the Civil Rights Laws constitute a second constitution in the United States. Mm. Ninety-nine and a half percent of all the people in America don't understand that. Mm. They don't understand you got two constitutions. The first constitution was the one that, 1789, all the way up to the amendments 1 through 12. 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, that was written strictly and solely for black folk. But I never had any black folk yet. Harris and his, and his bookers that run for office, they don't understand that. Mm -hmm. That they should be fighting saying, we got two constitutions. If I get elected to public office, I'm going to go back and go back to that, that second constitution and try to get those things that were set aside for black folk. Uh. And what was that? The radical Republican says that in, in, in 1860 in the United States Congress, that in this, in this nation, black folk can either be one or two things. You're going to be slaves or you're going to be free. Wow. To be free in America as black people, you must minimally have 40 acres of the mule that's what they, and $100. That's where that saying came from. You must have 40 acres of mule and $100. And, uh, but what happened after that was said, then you, had, then you had the guardians of racism kill it. The United States Supreme Court is a guardian of racism. The Supreme Court is my primary purpose is to make sure nothing changes racial, racial issues in America. That's why the United States Supreme Court has never, never, never ruled effectively to the benefit of black folk. And so as soon as they got, so they enacted the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, and the 15th Amendment, and the Civil Rights Laws. And the Civil Rights Law says that black folk must have certain benefits. They set up Freedman banks and everything else. But the United States Constitution came in and killed it. Supreme Court came in and killed it. You ever heard of what's called period of reconstruction? Me, you know what reconstruction was? Uh -uh. Between 1865, there was a 10-year period between 1865 and 1875, it was called reconstruction. Now, what I tell black folk is that you should be saying, why did they call it reconstruction? It was reconstruct, 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 reconstruct. What do you mean by reconstruct? The first constitution was a social construct that locked you into the bottom barrel permanently. Reconstruction that took place between 1865 and 1875 says redo the thing, give black folk a chance. 
and it was it's sort of going on forever. But but the United States Supreme Court jumped in and killed it in 1875. It only lasted 10 years. Oh wow! They came in and said, "No, we're not going to give black folk anything. Set them free with no land, no rights, no privileges, no tools, no animals, no house, no homes, no organization, no education, no animals, nothing, and tell them to root, hog, or die." Mm. Wow. And that's why that's why Trump right now is stacking your courts with, with conservative Supreme Court justices. Over 160. Mm-hmm. That's right. People that's, haven't even realized that yet. What? I'm sorry. Say it again. The people haven't even realized it. 160 lifetime federal judges. That's he's right. appointed. That's Come right. On. Some of the yeah. most racist, biggest yeah. bastards you ever gonna meet. Right. Well, that, that's right. See, what the, what they don't understand in the Supreme Court, the first 87, the first 57 Supreme Court justices were slave owners. Mm, wow. Did you know that? No, sir. Um, you got it now, brothers. First 57 were slave owners. Wow. And the other six or seven, about another six or seven, have been white racists. That's why right now you got a Supreme Court sitting there with nine people on it. What they're telling you is that justice in America for black folk can only be seen through the eyes of whites. Mm. You can't see it otherwise. It only be, That's why you got nine people on the Supreme Court. You got nine people. You got nine whites there, one pretending he's trying to be black. <laughs> Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas. <laughs> but that, but none of none of them took up any issues for black folk. Let's go to let's go to the left, lower level, the federal courts. I know I'm running past my time. Now you good? Man, go ahead, brother. Okay. You good? Okay. Let's go to the federal courts. <laughs> now, since Trump has been in office, he's put in about forty some federal judges. Mm-hmm. Okay. No more than that. Is he on that? How many? That's one hundred and sixty. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've been keeping track. Now, think about that. Between, I, I've been giving you all a lot of dates. Mm-hmm. The Constitution, 1789, remember that? Mm-hmm. Up from 1789 all the way up to 1948. The United States, you know, they, you know how, many, how many federal judges they appointed during that period? 1,400. Dang. Federal judges between 1789 and 1948. Why did I say 1948? That was the first time they appointed a black to a federal judgeship. All the federal judges were whites. Now, 1948. Now, between 1948 and up to about 1990, or the 1980s, the late point, at that point, they put in about another 30, they put in 30 black judges. Now, when I'm, with, I'm in the White House with President Carter, and uh, at that time, Strong Thurmond was over the Judiciary Committee for uh, for the Republican Party. Now, that's a cracker. That's a cracker-ass cracker. I'm from South Carolina, so that's I know. Right, right, yes, South Carolina. Don't get no worse, man. And that's why I was born in South Carolina. So he comes up to me and... I told you a few minutes ago, I was on the proper disposal program. I had full authorization. I'm the only black in the history of the nation. I had full authorization to give away federal property as a black man. All I did was my signature. I had 45 people on my staff down in Charleston, South Carolina. I could send them out whatever they want. Strong Thurman came to me and said, Dr. Anderson, I need some things in South Carolina. I said, what do you want? He said, I need some couple of bulldozers. I need about 10 or 20 Quonset huts, some other things down there. And he said, can you, can you help me? I said, sure, I can help you. I can take care of that. I said, but by the same token, I'm the only black up here. Since I'm the chairman, I'm the chairman for economic development, and I'm, and I'm assistant secretary in commerce, and I'm over this program, you and I got to have a little quid pro quo. He said, what do you need? I said, I want, me, I want, I want some black federal judges. He said, what, what, what do you tell me what you got? And I get it for you. I said, I want three, at least three right now. I want them to be black federal judges. I said, I'm going to put Al C. Hastings out of Broward County. I want him to be a federal judge. I said, I want Judge Joe Hatchett out of Jacksonville, Florida. I want him to be a federal judge. Another black guy out of San Diego. I want him to be a federal judge. And, and so Strong Thurman said, you got it. Now, here, here's the irony there. Now they appointed 
From 1948 up to that point in time, you've had about 30 black federal judges. How is it that Claude Anderson can get three federal judges? You have 46 million black folk, they can get a damn thing. Wow. <laughs> they're, they're in politics, social. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so for real. Exactly. Like, like, exactly. Like, that's what I'm talking about. That's my point. They don't demand a damn thing. Mm -hmm. And so, going back to your question, you are never getting anything until so you started demanding. Yeah. And the first thing you should be demanding is what they didn't do to do the civil rights movement. They should have gone back in 1960s instead of talking about social integration and money. Thank you. That's you it. The money in the land. Exactly. You should have said hope. Exactly. Okay, you guys. So it's gone on the commercial. Uh, check the next episode. This is Dr. D. I'm, I'm striving to enlighten our black community. Also, um, uh, also uh, know that I have other nationalities that listen to my program, and I welcome you and I appreciate you um, tuning in. But uh, we're gonna go on, and I'm gonna start another episode because it went to a commercial. And I just want you guys to go back and replay this. Uh, also, I, I I really pray that you pass this on because. The protest is heated up, and as we see all over the world what's going on, that we want justice and equality. But until until America truly repent and and, retrib and retribute and uh, recompense um, what is due to the black Americans and the generations that are due um, the injustice and giving us what. Dr. Carl Anderson spoke of is still on the table. You still can be um, that voice in your community. So as I um, stated in the Boom Factor um, prayer program earlier this morning, those that's on the Safe Zone broadcast, um, you can go over there and listen to the first part of my heart. Um, felt reflections on what was happening and how um, the society has divided us as a people, even with integration and segregation, as he spoke of. I may not have had um, the dates and everything accurately, but you can always go and Google Dr. Carl Anderson, and but I thought his name was Claude, um, Claude Anderson, and purchased his book, Powernomics, he also had another awesome book that you can um, buy off of his website, or you can go to um, the Amazon and just do research and get those books. Every every home should have those two books and, and begin to understand what is happening to our community. And this is the time right now for us to put pressure and make demands on our representatives. I always say that all the times. You know, when I come across pastors that quick to quote and, and, and drop names on who they know in the political realm. Okay, so what is they doing for the people? And as he said, um, individuals came and asked him something. And he said, okay, this is what I need. Okay, we are in certain positions. Let's, let's use that influence to help each other and not dominate over each other okay so this is dr d again and just stay tuned to the second part of dr carl anderson 
Um, you can follow him also on Instagram at Dr. Claude Anderson. And I'm sure he have his information there also for you to follow him. And let's just go ahead and do this protest towards the government. Okay? God bless you all. And I really appreciate everyone that tuned into my program, Safe Zone Broadcast, and also the Boom Factor Radio Show. God bless you. said hold it hold us and i told them that time they were having a big march in detroit michigan down 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 Woodward from jefferson avenue down to wayne state university and they're going to march down there and uh martin luther king was leading that and malcolm x was there too that time and they was i was opposed to it i said what are you trying to do well we want to go out here and integrate the suburbs i said if, if white we got we have 51 percent of the population in detroit why do you want to go out to the white suburbs let them go out there and stay out there no that's not right. We got to integrate it. And uh, so they have a march. They, the first thing they talked to was Malcolm X. They said, they, they, and the newspaper says, Malcolm, uh, what do you think about this this march down Woodward uh, from Jefferson down to Wayne State University to integrate suburbs? And Martin Luther King, I mean, uh, Malcolm says, what march? He said, that march down, they're coming down. He said, that's not a march. So the newspaper said, what is it? He said, that's a damn parade. <laughs> he said, like any parade, you got a bunch of clowns out front leading it. Mm-hmm. He said, he says no, and said, it's, don't integrate, don't integrate these communities, leave black folk intact. That's why no Arabs, no Asians, no Hispanics, no nobody's coming to America trying to social integrate with black folk. That's Islam. always been there in a wide way, though. The Nation Islam always was like, let's build our own, Thank do you. for self. But see, black folk, I just got to be with somebody else. And see, and, and so, and the conclusion of this is that, um, is that, that I, I gotta get your point. I gotta, I gotta go back to this. That's all right. I keep leaving it. First, you, you, you build these communities. Mm-hmm. Right now, we do not have not one single black community in America. Not one. You, it's impossible for you to play as, as a community, means you got a team. People got mutual understandings, interests, and, and direction and plans. You don't have, a, you have not one black community in America. All you got are black neighborhoods. A neighborhood is where you eat and sleep. A hotel is a neighborhood. A neighborhood is like having a bucket with holes in it. You pour in the water and it runs out. It has no effect. And in some of these neighborhoods, it's gotten so bad now, they're not even neighborhoods anymore. The crime has gotten so high, they ran the neighbor out, all you got left is a hood. That's right. That's why they call it the hood. Nothing left in there. They don't have any communities. They have a community, you must have three elements to make a community, qualify as a community. You must have a wholly independent economic structure that can produce jobs, services, goods, products, and resources for your own people. Two, the second thing you must have in there, you must have a code of conduct, saying this is how we're gonna behave. Here's how we're gonna love and support each other. Here's how I'm gonna get, get along. Here's why when I go to the breakfast club, I'm gonna love and respect those blacks on there. Appreciate them, care about them. That's right. Protect them. And lastly, you must have politicians elected to office who will represent you first and foremost. You don't put black folk in public office that will look out for everybody else before they look out for you. If you don't have those three things, you don't have a community. Or you got our neighborhoods. 
And that's what we got in the country, with no neighborhoods. And once you get that neighborhood, then you go to Anderson's third, go to Anderson's five-story building. And this is how you get your wealth and power to go back to my friend's name. What's the Charlemagne. Word? Charlemagne. Yes, like Charlemagne's initial question. Now, you got to go back in that community and do what I told you in my books. You must build a five-story building. And once you get a community, that's your platform. That's your baseline. It's because you got turf and territories, like building a house. Mm-hmm. Now you got something situated on. You can't build a house with nothing. You got to have it has to be structured on something. And once you have that foundation, that community, now the first thing you work on is economics. You started practicing group economics in a vertical order. Practicing group economics, making your money bounce in your own community eight to twelve times before it leaves. Spend your money with your own people first. Buy from your own people first. That, so you get an economy going in your community. For buying your own people's products, services, and goods, like you do in Chinatown, any other town, Mexican town. And once you get that economy going, then once you, then you get the profits coming, the resources, the money coming in from your from your economy, then you go to the second floor. The second floor is politics. Our people got that backwards. They want to get into politics before they get an economy. Backwards as hell, you won't make it. And you got to, you want, the politics is the second floor. I learned that before I ran campaigns when I was in the office of two presidents, okay? It won't work. You build, you get politics at the second floor. And don't worry about voting. Voting is immaterial. Voting is a game. It's a form of entertainment. So when you, when you get to the second floor, you take the money that you get from the first floor and you buy the second floor. You buy every politician. You buy every politician with the money you made on the first floor. So should we vote at all? I'll tell you that in one second. Okay. If, you get, if you got enough money, if you haven't got enough money to buy them, then you rent or lease them, okay? So you can get what you want. Make them do what you want to do. And then, then you make those politicians then go to the third floor. The third floor is your political, it is your court system, your police system. Mm-hmm. And make those politicians on the third, second floor control the politicians and quit shooting black kids on the street mm-hmm. and mistreating and cat and beating black folk. You control the court system so they won't be getting them 40 years in jail for, for marijuana and all that kind of stuff. You got it. So your, your second floor controls your third floor, your courts controls your judges and stuff. Just like I'm talking about with Trump and all that. Mm-hmm. Then the fourth floor, what you get into, you get into, you get in is media. You take your money off the first floor and you buy media. You got about 12,000 radio stations in the United States. Black folks, out of that 12,000, black folks that own a major portion, at least 15% of them. You got, you got 12,000 12, cable systems. Blacks don't own it, basically none of them, Holly. You have 5,000 daily newspapers. They don't own the damn daily newspaper. You got 5,000 TV stations. Blacks might own one someplace, two at the best. You don't own, uh, you, in other words, black folk own 35,000 of 1% in media. Mm-hmm. You don't own media, you can't communicate, you can't organize, you can't motivate. And so, so you got it, so, that, so that's the structure. If you want to play, if you want to build your wealth and power, that's how you do it. You spend your, and once you build, up, build that economy, spend your money with your own people, make it bounce eight to 10 times. In this country right now, Hispanics, no, let's take Hispanics. Hispanics bounce their money on an average of six to seven times in Mexican time. Little Havana, little Cuba. White folks typically bounce their money eight to 12 times. Arabs bounce, and, and uh, Arabs and Asians bounce their money about 13 or 14 times. Jews bounce their money about 18 times. Black money doesn't bounce once. Mm. As soon as a black person gets paid, he runs straight to somebody else's business and gives them the money. That means they go, they go bankrupt every night. 
every black neighborhood goes bankrupt every night at 7 o'clock. Stays bankrupt until next morning. <laughs> they don't own any damn businesses. <laughs> when the white man or somebody else closes their doors, they go bankrupt. But well, we're overcoming. We're progressing. Wait, where's the progress? Oh, someplace. Well, oh, we got social progress. Now, let me jump back to that in a second. I was born in South Carolina. Let me show you how they got off track. I still got time, bro. Yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Let's, let's go back to South Carolina. South Carolina, McClinton, South Carolina, way back in 1948. They filed a lawsuit. You know why? Against the county and the state. Because they were not appropriating the resources in McClinton, South Carolina. Strong and strong thermos territory. They weren't appropriating anything. And so for, for the average black kid, they put in a dollar and fifty cents for a black child to go to school on an average. But white kids, they were getting twelve to thirteen dollars to go to school, and so there was a misappropriation, maldistribution of the of the money just to go to school. Dollar black kids get a dollar and a half, white kids get twelve to thirteen dollars. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing. White kids were riding to school on buses. Black kids walked in snow, mud, rain, anything, bushes to get to school. Um, teachers getting black teachers get something like six or seven dollars a week paycheck. White kid teachers get something like twenty-five or thirty dollars for uh, for a day for getting paid. Everybody, and we went to school. Guess what? All the best materials. A black child got to school in McClinton, South Carolina. He spent the first week of school with big art gum erasers, cleaning up the books and materials because whites sent all the old used materials over to the black schools. And then you had to spend your whole day, whole first week taping up the pages in the book. Wow. Cleaning them up, wiping them down, getting all the trash off of them. Wow. The gum, the food, and everything else. We got the hand-me-downs. White kids got all the new equipments. When we went to school, we walked past the white schools. Guess what? White schools had tennis courts. When the, when the black schools had, they had two poles with a piece of wire between it for a tennis court. White schools had swimming pools. We you know what we did? We had to go down and dam up the creeks. We swam in the creeks by damming up the creeks and swimming in. We had swimming holes. White kids got everything. So what the, what the Clinton, South Carolina parent, black parents are saying is that we want equal resources. We want resources. That's why I focus on this. As, 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 a, as a forensic historian, we wanted resources. We don't give a damn about nothing else. That, was thought, that lawsuit was filed about 1948. It bounced around and finally got to the Supreme Court by 1953 and 54. At that point in time, it's the Supreme Court. Here comes the NAACP. And uh, uh, what they wanted to do then was, was to say, well, let, let's have social integration rather than redistribution of the resources. And uh, that way, we don't want anything black anymore. Let's get rid of all the black schools. Let's get rid of everything black. And so that's how the social integration replaced what black folk wanted was desegregation. Stop using government to mistreat us and hurt us and maldistribute the wealth. And when I took over education for the state of Florida, I took over education, I asked the Department of Education. I asked the Department of Education, what are you gonna do for, what does social integration mean to you in Florida? What are you gonna do with the schools in Florida? They said, Dr. Ans, what we're gonna do? We're gonna close down all the black schools. We're gonna fire the black teachers, fire the black counselors, fire the black administrators, bus 75% of the black kids into white schools, and put the other 25% of black school black kids in the special education class. Oh. I said, that's BS. And I had to fight. Here comes some of the civil rights organizations. Dr. Ellis, you're interfering with social with social integration. I don't give a damn about social integration. That's a negative. Wow. But anyway, 
Um, I, I just want to get that pointed out. What was the fifth, the fifth, fifth floor? I think I might have missed that. Oh, you I said, missed it. Oh, you said economics, politics, politicians, media, education. The top. Education. And, All right. And again, the fifth floor was education. And here again, and based on my collective experiences, I got hell. I got six college degrees. And, and been, all, been in all levels of government, from the highest to the lowest, international politics, head of trade missions of third world countries. I said, black folks should understand, education is the last thing. Education is a tool. Right. Just like a hammer and a saw. But you got, you got to have an economy to be able to use it. That's why these black kids go get a damn degree. They can't get a job in the black community. They got to go, go back to a white community, somebody else's community, to somebody else's business and ask for a job. And once you do that, White people place the value on your, what your education is worth. Mm. That's why I can go past McDonald's and Burger King, got black kids there with master's degrees, mm. mopping floors mm. and working as clerks, mm. degrees, high college degrees in Burger Kings and McDonald's. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because they got, they've got master's degrees, but they master nothing. And so because, because we don't have an economy. See, when a kid graduates from school, the first thing you do, he should be able to go back to his own community and so I building businesses and industries and drawing money into his community and holding it. And see, the Asians learn that way back and they learn it very quickly. That's why they come in, they figure about after fifth year in college, in school, meaning after they graduate from a degree, they work in a job, two or three jobs by five years. By the sixth year, they're gonna have their own factories and industries, businesses. Right. That's why one out of every Asian has a business. One out of every th uh, 35 whites have a business. Every 53, one out of every 53 his, Hispanics have a business. Only one out of about 105 blacks have a business. Right. Mm. And well, we appreciate you joining us in this great wow. conversation. Man, that, listen, we did, Dr. Clark got all of this work if you need it. <laughs> That's okay. right. Black label, white wealth, more dirty little sure, secrets. Sure, sure. Get, get the camera on this. Hey, we got it. Dirty little secrets. We got the camera on oh, the Black reader. Mm -hmm. You got it already? Power right 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 here. If you want to get more from Dr. Claude Anderson, he got plenty of information to give you. And see, what I want on those books, I wrote those books for a very specific reason, and I need help from you all. I can't get them into the school system. Really? Yeah, because it's sitting, every state has a book selection committee. It's all white. And whites are basically homicidal, not suicidal. They ain't putting them in my book. <laughs> 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 they ain't going to kill themselves. They ain't kill yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't touch those old blacks out of practice group economics. Yeah. And so... Uh, and even in the black college campus, you go on. A, guess who? Barnes and Noble had the, all the bookstores on the black college campus is owned by whites. Oh wow! Book selection committee is all whites. I go out to Alabama. There's a doctor answer. We love you, but we only got one black book in the whole state of North in in that state of Alabama. Mm. The Bible. Yeah, that's one book, but only one copy of that. And oh, all the wow. land university can only get one in. And I said, but I want my books in all the charter schools and public schools. They can't get them in there. How, they, how can they reach you if they want to make that happen? Uh, uh, see, I, I need y'all to make it happen. Y'all just, okay. just raise cans and say, hey, there's no way, for instance, Marcus Garvey and, and the Malcolm X Academies, they were using the Dirty Little Secrets books there. Mm -hmm. See these Dirty Little Secrets books here? Yes, sir. Yeah. See these two books? Mm -hmm. There are over 1,000 1, short stories, factoids in here about things that people never knew about black folk, but black folk achievements. To show you that nothing on this earth in the United States has happened that black folk did not either cause or not indirectly involved in. Wow. So it's right in time for Black History Month. That's, that's right. February, they should have all of these in, in schools and everywhere. That's right. But they got, they got a group called Syngate that controls what goes into black college campuses. And and, uh, and see, I had two radio stations, but I'm right now I'm involved in that anymore. No I need somebody like you all said, no, our black kids need to have a better understanding of history. Absolutely. Right. 
Y'all understand? Yeah. Right. I know y'all don't want to do that. But no, of course. Uh, Steve, Steve, okay. I got my man Steve Perry. He's over at Charter School. Um, my homegirl Stacy Shells. He's a superintendent in in Chicago. You know what I mean? So Good. yeah, like definitely. We'll definitely reach out. So, okay. Can I count on you all to just raise some hell? Demand something. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. What happened? You on radio going to start? And we're going to need you to come up here more frequently. It's going to be black. It's black educators watching this right now saying, "Yes, we need those books." That Absolutely. Are That's right. right. Now. Thank you. And tell them black kids that right now, it was up until 1948, no white author would put anything about blacks in books. Wouldn't do it. That's why I examined all the books in the state of Florida. I said, you got to change this. That's why I filed, I got lawsuits right now, 1866 Indian treaties. And I found out most black didn't know that those Indian treaties were for black folk. Wow. And even though Obama, every year he was in office, he called 564 white any of chiefs that come to the White House, give them everything they want. Is that why you use the term Native Blacks as That's opposed right. to African American? That's right, Native okay. Blacks. And I and I, and I love I want I want to help all Blacks on Earth. But if you don't use the word Native Blacks, okay. you shoot yourself in the head. Okay. Gotcha. Because you know because if you say African American, the first human beings came out of Africa. Anybody on Earth that comes to America is an African American. Okay. You can be white, come from you or tomorrow. You, you you're an African American. That makes total sense. Mm -hmm. that, and see, and that's the native, first thing. Native, native so blacks. Okay. That's a very, very broad term. Who's an African American? Anybody can be an African American. Okay. Secondly, why is black? Why is Native American important? Because, because this nation owes black folk. Ninety-eight percent of all the black people in America were here before ninety-eight percent of all the other people ever arrived. Wow. Mm. Black those native blacks. And the reason I say native because they when they took them out of Africa. They stripped them of their Africanness. Okay. They, 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 they took away their names, everything, their culture, their history. Then they have a seasoning process for a slave. Three months was to break him in to being a slave. That he could no longer be identified with African anything. That he was just black, period. But see, and, and so the government right now owes black people, native blacks. They don't owe African, they don't have, they don't know, they don't know, they don't know African anything. If you say you're an African American, white says, shoot, I don't owe African, I don't owe. We never enslaved in Africa. We enslaved some blacks we, we got in here, but they weren't Africans. We stripped them of an Africanness. Mm -hmm. And the last thing, your blackness is your honor, your culture, your history. That's right. It's your, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's your experience. That's right. And we had a very unique experience that makes us exceptional people. That's why I say it's a privilege to be black. That's right. It's an honor to be in this melody. That's right. And you, you, and you just tell, as long as you live, you remember me telling you in the state that you are special people. Yeah, special people. Nobody's been mistreated, maltreated like you all. Now, any immigrant discussion has never been subjected to what, what, what 460 years of black folk are subjected to. Don't say you, see, one of the biggest lies being told is that, you know, we are all together and we are, <clears throat> and everybody coming to America has contributed equally to the development of this nation. That's a lie. Black folk were the, were the ones, that were the economic engines that drove the development of this nation. You're the one that built the bridges, the roads, the highways, picked the cotton, the rice, the indigo. You understand what I'm saying? That's right. Nobody else here I work not there but you. They said, well, well white women, they're, they're a minority too. They were in the house with the white man. They co-owned, co-controlled, co-influenced, and inherited 100% of everything the white man had. It ain't about gender. Don't get confused about talking about gender issues, mission. Don't mix gender with race, with blacks. Race is a contest between white, the white man, and the black man. Period. But they're gonna try to confuse you by saying, well, uh, we, got the, we got the 14th Amendment, uh, the, that's for everybody. No, it's not. It was for black folk. The 13th, 14th, and the 15th Amendment was strictly for black people. 13th, 14th, 15th. 15th Amendment and the civil rights laws. Those civil rights laws were strictly for black folk. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> but again, uh, they diluted it down. And I can conclude, I'm going to conclude now. They diluted it down by saying this, that after the Civil War, after the Civil War was over, the, uh, the North said, we're going to bring in all these immigrants into the country. And, uh, uh, and they don't want to go south. They want to go west and develop the west. And the South said, yeah, and, and, and for us, now the Civil War is over, we, we, we're going we're to give amnesty to all the Confederate soldiers. And not only we give amnesty, they should be shot as terrorists. Since, since the South, Southern states, the Confederacy were, were terrorists in America. They should be castrated and lynched for being terrorists, for having attacked this nation. Those same red states are the same red states now that are voting that are backing Trump. That's the same Confederate. They were the first terrorists in America. They're still terrorizing America, still terrorizing black folk. But, but instead of punishing them, they, the North says, look, we're going to give you back your land, and if you want the blacks, you go ahead and keep them. Keep them in the South in 1860. And that way, the South said, so we need them because even though we got the land back, we got back all the land after we, after we attacked the nation, we got back everything. But the land is no good unless we have a labor class. And so the North says, the Northern whites say, you can have those blacks back again. And he went back, he went into what we call Jim Crow segregation or peonage on the black codes and locked those blacks into semi-slavery for another 100 years. Wow. And used them down there from, 18, from 1860 up to 1960. And, that, and that's, why, that's why when they came out, they should have gone after redistributing the wealth and resources instead of messing around with social integration, civil rights. That's not gonna help black folk. Your opportunities in America, they find about what you own and control. I want you all to get as much money as you can get. My power economics says that poor people cannot help poor people. Y'all got to get some money and resources. And once you get it, then try to help your people. And the last point is, don't let anybody tell you that black folk are racist. A black person cannot be a racist. It's impossible in theory and practice for a black person to be a racist. Just because you focus on your own people doesn't make you a racist. A black person, only a white person can be a racist or a member of the person that controls all the wealth and resources can be a racist, that he can use it to shut down, enslave, Jim Crow, segregate, mistreat people. No black person in America has that kind of power. They do anything to anybody. He cannot be a racist. Only thing a black person can be is a reactor to white racism. That's right. All you can do is react. So white folks say, I saw you on, I saw you on a, that morning show with a Breakfast Club and shoot all of them are racist. They can't be racist. They don't have the power to sh- they can't they can't enslave white people. That's There's right. nothing you can do to white folk. But Dr. Claude, we <laughs> yeah. appreciate well, you. Well, I'm, I'm giving I'm giving I'm gonna leave y'all alone. Y'all are too tough for me up here. No, I appreciate and you. You invited any time to come back up here. Y'all call me when you want me and uh, I'll come. Yes, sir. Only thing about it is I said I have to apologize. I've I've had been in the hospital three times this year. And I had some problems just trying my balance is off and I'm weak in the legs. That's why I can't negotiate too well. Mm-hmm. And but I came up because you all I hold y'all as being special. Well, we appreciate and, and, you uh, so much. And what I like to do, if y'all don't mind, and I apologize if, if, if it's if it's something that you wouldn't want to do, I want to publicize across this nation that the Breakfast Club, I dig it a push like hell to get these books into these schools and yes, say sir. we don't want to just read white books. Let's do it. Absolutely. Okay. Now, can I do that? That's yes, okay. sir. Okay. You gonna we gonna keep all of this in? They gonna see it themselves. We gonna put this out. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta spend more time talking about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Claude, Dr. Claude thank you. Yeah, no, thank you all. And, and, and believe me, I love you all. We'll okay. Well, you heard it. Um, you can also go back and watch, literally watch Dr. Claude Anderson 
Uh, he have numerous of YouTube videos uh, speaking at different panels. Um, also, he speaks a lot with um, Dr. Boyce Watkins, another individual that uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins that really talks about black ownership, and he has the the um, the Black Business School that you can uh, also register and just learn a, a lot of things that I've followed and gleaned from even to help uh, enrich my business as an entrepreneur. And uh, every day I'm striving to learn more about not only myself as a black woman, uh, uh, a native black, as we all learn that we're not just uh, Americans or Black Americans, because everyone, uh, we everyone is a seed from African nat- native from the beginning of this earth, Adam and Eve. But that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> but uh, I just pray that this was uh, part two of Dr. Carl Anderson um, just speaking on American race-based society and how the black community should understand powernomics and how we should have a, a protest so just come on let's let's go after what is due to us and I, I also picked up um, the 13 14 and 15 amendment in the civil rights law that he said that's for blacks native blacks but we don't know how to pursue that, even though um, that's part of the second constitution that he spoke of. And I'm going to do some more re- research on it and, and to see how God will lead me to uh, inform my uh, audience through the platform that God has given me. So I appreciate all the listening ears and um, those that have um, prayed for Dr. D to restore health, I'm glad. I appreciate it. And every day I, I am getting stronger and stronger. And just a little wise, to, I know we have a lot of things going on right now because of the protests. You may want to cut that off and digress and go take a walk and breathe. Because it really, really would get you upset. And I know I had left... Um, I had spoken on some things early this morning on the Boom Factor radio show. And that's just the stuff that was in me when uh, I got up. And as soon as I cut the TV on, it had the stuff and I had to cut it off. And I say, God, I just have to get this out of me. And I just share what was in my heart and, and what I felt how the society is dividing the the native black Um, community and just want to reiterate that um, we have instigators and paid supremacies people that have paid other groups to invade um, the protests of the black community to always demonize or make it seem like we don't know how to put a peaceful protest together without no type of violence and looting and and just destructive that is that is not the purpose that 
these individuals all over the world are protesting against, and it's all about the unfair treatment of the black community pertaining to police police violence, but it goes even deeper than that. And as I said in the first one, um, they had the the news media highlighted only the the the, the blacks going in and out the stores with merchandise in their hand. Um, but there was not the corporate to begin all of it. But I also want to expand your, your mindset that if that door is open and right now we in the middle of COVID-19 with no job, no, uh, no resources, uh, no type of, um, resources, like I just said, to come in our hands, those individuals got one thing in their mind, and that's one thing, black black individuals are survivors. They are uh, taking those items, and trust me, they're going to resell that for money to pay their bills or to get food to feed their family. Believe me on that. Now, I don't condone it, but I tell you what, if that opportunity was there, and if hey, I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying, okay. So not that's not as always. That's not always be quick to judge a situation, okay. Unless you yourself been in a situation to the point where you don't have nothing else to do to take care of your family. All right. So um, let me go. Enjoy the message. Share this message. Get the word out. Um, still, they have this bill for you to call your, your senators and your representatives for the, the bill that's sitting in the Congress, H.R. 40. And as we just learned also, and I just learned this myself, about the 13, 14, 15 Amendment in the Civil Rights Law. I'm going to pull all that up and start researching that myself so we can also bring that towards our representatives. That's the only way as a black community, well, native black community, community can move forward to all of this injustice, okay? God bless you, and I will chat with you guys later.